Welcome back on the roundtable today. The state of the races. Florida's races for governor and Senate and Congress are becoming more heated and more expensive. And we have two of South Florida's most experienced and may I say insightful political reporters with us to break it down this morning. Anthony Mann is the veteran political reporter for the Sun Sentinel. Can't miss what he writes. And also Mark Caputo covers Florida politics for Politico, and he writes the daily Politico Florida Playbook. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Great good to morning, have you guys. come in. You were both at the debate on Monday, the Democratic debate. Anthony, what do you what do you make of the Jeff Green entrance? Has this changed the dynamic of, uh, and is he right? Was Has no one inspired yet? Uh, I absolutely think he's right. It changes the dynamic, but we just don't know how. Uh, it's, it, it's a race that there still are a lot of undecideds in. Um, uh, Levine, uh, Mayor Levine, uh, Philip Levine has been making some inroads, but uh, when you have a five-candidate race and somebody who's come in and is going to spend a lot of money on advertising, we just don't know how he's going to shake things up. Yeah, Mark, I don't want to be disrespectful to Mr. Green, who it seems like a very nice guy. I remember when he ran against Marco Rubio, but in the interview with Glenna, he basically said, I'm rich, and um, I started a school, and I'm really interested in the state, and I can do better running it, is that enough? It might be. Uh, to Tony's point, if someone can come up with a lot of money, then they can make a lot of inroads in the polls. That's why Philip Levine is in the front. He spent at least $12 million at this point on television. He's at 32% of the polls. Right. The other folks haven't, and they're basically nowhere. Uh, I do think that there are inspiring candidates in the race, judging by the forum we were at on Monday, which was Andrew Gillum, certainly, and Chris King, to a lesser degree. But the unfortunate reality in Florida is a lot of a Florida race, because the size of the state is dictated by TV ad spending, and those guys don't have the money, and Levine and Green do. If you were to judge Monday night by the applause, that, that was an Andrew Gillum audience on Monday night. But that audience was invited by the sponsoring organizations, which are some of the most progressive or liberal, whatever term yeah. you want to use. And they were the people that, that packed the house and it's not the, it wasn't the usual kind of debate where each candidate gets a lot of tickets and it's a different kind of thing with major donors. I mean, these were a lot of union activists, a lot of immigrant yeah. activists. Uh, so, yes, I think Gillum and to some extent King had that audience on Monday night, but this is really a certain segment of the Democratic electorate. Uh, Mark, uh, this was, what, the third, fourth time the Democratic candidates for governor have debated the Republicans haven't debated once. Uh, Ron DeSantis, congressman from around St. Augustine, and uh, uh, Adam Putnam, the secretary of agriculture. Uh, when are they going to debate? I think in July. And it might be a Fox debate as the first one, but I probably shouldn't have said that on live television because I don't exactly well, know. Well, we can check. Right. But uh, that race is a little more interesting because Adam Putnam is prohibitively the establishment favorite. Right. But Ron DeSantis has the endorsement of President Trump, and he's got a stable of billionaires who are backing him. They haven't really given a lot of money to him, but if they do, you're going to see quite an explosive Republican primary for governor. And he's gotten airtime on Fox almost every day, priceless airtime on Fox. And he has been among those, including the Democratic candidates, skewering Adam Putnam over the failure of the agricultural department under him to essentially back up the background checks for concealed weapons and allowing 290 some odd people to get 
concealed weapons permits that shouldn't have, which, you know, Putnam has explanations for, and he's done things like fire the employee. But he's been skewered over that by everybody, including DeSantis. Anthony, is that going to be, it is a week ago into the news cycle, is that going to be a factor? It probably will be a factor. Now, it's nuance and his explanation that it wasn't quite as bad as it first sound, sounded, that may not catch up with the reaction that people have. The thing is, in a Republican primary, how much of a factor will it be? I, I'm not sure about that. And I think That's it would a be a point. good general election weapon to use against Putnam. Well, he did say in a Sun Sentinel article in 2014, Adam Putnam did, that basically the buck stops with me. If mm -hmm. something ha happens wrong or something wrong goes on. On the weapons permit yeah. issue. It's my fault. Right. That's, those are Putnam's own words. Has he addressed that they at all? They may come to... He was, he was asked that by the Capitol Press Corps in Tallahassee on Wednesday, and he basically said yes really quickly and then moved on to another talking point. And called fake so. news. His talking point has uh, trying to make this out as fake news. Senator Bill Nelson uh, has had a really, if I may say, lame campaign a aim to, well, that's my characterization. Uh, <laughs> a lot of Democrats agree with you is the problem. Well, I think we're talking about outreach to Hispanic, Spanish-speaking voters because he essentially had had none. Right, and we sp I can't even remember how many I spoke to, maybe a dozen, uh, from Washington to Tallahassee to Miami to Orlando. In Orlando, they did some focus groups of Puerto Ricans, uh, Puerto Rican voters who are, live in Florida now, and Basically, none of them knew who Bill Nelson was. Those who did know him only knew that he was a senator, whereas they all knew Rick Scott, and a lot of them associated Rick Scott with doing something right on the hurricane. This is a problem because Puerto Rican voters are the ones who the Democratic Party needs to rely on to get right, Nelson but, in office. But, but if I may say, when the pollster told those Puerto Rican voters that Rick Scott was also a close friend of Donald Trump, then they backed yeah. off from, you know, the support went way down. Right, and that means you have to campaign. And what Bill Nelson so far has not done in the Spanish-speaking communities is campaign. Well, what a great segue for the video we were just looking at. And if we can put that up for a moment with sound, uh, you can hear that this new ad that just hit is Bill Nelson actually speaking in Espanol. Okay. It doesn't have sound, uh, but you can, and he's, he speaks. This is a, an essentially a Spanish-language ad, the first, and do uh, you think that might be a response to this, this poll? And, and may I just say, as a, uh, the other half of this question is, Puerto Rico and Puerto Ricans have suddenly become the focus group of the Senate race. Absolutely. Well, first, I think that that uh, ad from Nelson clearly was a response to what Mark reported because that I was pretty devastating. Yeah. And uh, yes, because they mean, issued. Excuse me, Tony. Yeah. They put the ad out in late in the afternoon. It's really a Spanish language translation of an ad they had already issued. Yeah. But until Mark wrote the column. They hadn't done anything. It's like wag the and dog. And it's a digital ad, so that means it's not going up on... Uh, right. And here's the thing. It's like, how hard is it to find a Spanish speaker to translate one of your English-language digital ads into a Spanish one? And Bill Nelson's website still doesn't even have a Spanish-language page, whereas Rick Scott's does. And, and Rick Scott basic became bilingual. He, he's very good in Spanish, and he, prior to taking office, did not speak Spanish at right. all. There's a, the, can we put up the poll numbers in this race, also the uh, Politico AARP poll earlier this week, that showed what is essentially a dead heat race with the margin of error. Governor Rick Scott, 40 to Bill Nelson, 39%. But what I thought was very interesting mm -hmm. about this poll is 
drilling down into the numbers of voters over 50, where Scott takes 44 to Nelson's 35, which is not the margin of error, outside the margin of error, clearly a lead, and with the people who vote the most in Florida, the over 50 crowd. Right, about two-thirds of the ballots cast are cast by people 50 and older, whereas people 50 and older only account for about 43% of the voter rolls. What about the talk of the millennial vote? That's exactly what uh, the Democrats all say. I mean, when you talk to them about uh, things like this uh, poll, they all say, well, we're going to get all these people motivated by Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, and they're all registering, and they're going to turn out and vote. Uh, we'll see if that actually happens. History has not uh, shown that uh, younger voters really do come to the polls. They'll have to, they would have to get quite an increase to be able to make enough of a difference to overcome that older uh, voter. Tony and Mark, let me, let me ask you about this. I think, and this is again a char my characterization, Brooke Scott has run a savvy but a timid campaign so far. Maybe that's logistically, strategically a good thing. He has yet to make a comment about the Trump administration trying to take down pre-existing conditions in the um, Affordable Care Act. You keep asking, I mean, we've kept asking, well, do you support this? Are you for this, against it? Oh, basically, I'm still thinking about it. You can't pin him down on that. Right. Well, this exemplifies, to your earlier point, the problem that Rick Scott has, which is Donald Trump. Now, don't get me wrong. Donald Trump is not completely toxic to this electorate. No. However, the president does enough things that it makes Scott's general election campaign a little more complicated in a lot of different ways. That, at that, right now, the video we're looking at was a little scrum outside a Colombian restaurant earlier this week. You, you asked him that, and what Rick Scott had said was, well, we're going to need to cover these people. We're going to need to provide. But he never said how. Right. And the question was, is do you support the Trump administration's court action to stop mandatory coverage for pre-existing conditions? Yeah. And his right. response was, I haven't seen the lawsuit and the president said something on Twitter. Well, Being disciplined like that and not answering questions has worked very well for Rick Scott this for the last true. eight years. It, it has. has indeed. It has. I think we are about out of time. So, Tony, thanks for coming in. Tony Mann, Mark Caputo, as always, Great happy Father's always. Day. Go home, have the pancakes your kids were going <laughs> to